Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. Thank you. You can be seated. Wow. The faithfulness of God. Where would we be without it? He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And He always will be. And it's in that very thought, moms, man, thank you for what you do to remind us of His faithfulness. The greatest gift you can give your children. Yeah, give the Lord praise for the gift that moms give us in reminding us of the faithfulness of God. It's the greatest thing you could teach your children is about God's faithfulness. Because the reality is moms won't always be there. There's some of you today in the room, it's the first Mother's Day without your mom. This is the second one for me. My mom passed shortly before last year's Mother's Day. My wife's mom has gone as well. So we know what it means when you think about somebody not being there. How many of you, it's the first Mother's Day without your mom? She's passed. Let me see your hand. I just want to connect with you. Anybody? We got a few. It's a tough reminder. But here's the good news. God He'll always be there. You don't have to worry. He's there. And he will be there in some of the most difficult seasons. To all the moms, I pray you have an incredible Mother's Day. That you're blessed beyond measure. And you're reminded what a blessing it is to be a mom. And I know as Shauna's already welcomed you and recognized you. Let me just say, it's such a joy to have you today in this service. And, and I want to add this. There are some moms, some special moms that I really want to call out and just have a moment of appreciation. Some of you are adoptive moms and foster moms. And I just want to say thank you from my heart and from this church for investing your life in the life of a child. And, and I want to recognize you. So if you are an adoptive mom or a foster mom, would you stand up? I just think what you've done and what you're doing is a gift from the Lord. Any, any with us? Stand up right here. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Amazing. You ladies, you just need to know. You have blessed us and inspired us with your testimony. And then, of course, as, as we come into a season of celebrating moms, it's always a very difficult day for this reason. There are a lot of emotions. And, and some of those emotions are great. Some of them aren't as great. And uh, every pastor, and let me just let you in on a secret. By the way, I got a, a friend here today that I, I met. He's a friend of our family through a brother-in-law. And uh, they kind of grew up together in Chicago. But uh, his name is Phil Nordstrom, and he pastors Life Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. Phil, where are you? I, uh, when you walked away, I don't know where you went. Stand up so I can. Oh, there they are, right up there in the top of that uh, terrace seating. Hey, welcome, Phil, and your family. Glad to have you. 
For any pastor, it's, it's tough because you want to navigate Mother's Day carefully. And it's really easy to mess up on Mother's Day. I remember when I was in seminary, the president of our seminary was Dr. Robert Naylor. It was Fort Worth, Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, great seminary. And I remember one chapel, he got up and he started it this way. The best years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. And then he paused. And so you can imagine what everybody in that chapel, they're like, if you want to finish that thought quickly? And then he said, my mother. We're like, oh, yeah, that's great. So I had a, I had a colleague, a guy who, who wanted to use that. He thought, that'd be great on Mother's Day. You can't miss with that. That's a great way to start. So he, got, he was pastoring up in North Texas. He got up and he said, man, I want you to know something. The best years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. And then he went blank. True story. He went blank. And he couldn't remember how to finish it, so he thought, well, I'll say it again, and maybe I'll remember it. Yeah, best years of my life were spent in the arms of another man's wife. Nothing came to him. And this is what he said. And for the life of me, I can't remember who she was. I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would end it that way. But I can tell you, I know who she was. My mom. And we are blessed with mothers, right? You are a blessing to us all. I pray God blesses you on this day. And, and there are those who just, this is not a good day. And I'll be real honest. I was shocked early on in my journey as a pastor to meet a woman who said, hey, Pastor David, I won't be here next week. And I said, traveling out of town to see your mom? She goes, no, I just don't like Mother's Day. I'm like, man, what? I said, well, tell me about it. She said, I've tried and tried and tried, my husband and I, for years. God's never given me a child. And it's just hard to go and face Mother's Day when we're honoring moms as we should be. And it kind of hit me like, wow, I, I never thought about that pain. I was early on in my, in my journey, but I've never forgotten that. And I've had ladies here in this church that in a, in a most gracious way said, Pastor, I just, it's too hard for me to come. And so I want you to know that when we sense pain and a place that's very sensitive, rather than running from it and avoiding it and not talking about it, we run to it. And we want to pray for you. We, we want to pray that God would miraculously do something. We call it, we've had a tradition for years, it's called the prayer of Hannah. In the Old Testament, there was a mom who for years was barren, and she prayed and begged the Lord. Her name was Hannah. Her husband was Elkanah. And she, got, she was so burdened about it, the priest saw her one day at the temple praying, and he thought she was drunk. And she said, no, no, no. I'm just, my soul is grieved. And she begged the Lord for a child. And she even said, Lord, you give me a child and, and I will give him back to you. And you know what? The Lord heard her cry. He blessed her with a child. You know the child's name because he has two books that bear his name. First and second, Samuel. Samuel was one of the greatest leaders. Beginning of the prophets. I mean, he was an incredible leader for God, for his people. And it all started with the cry. 
of a mom who wanted to be a mom. A woman who just said, Lord, if there's any way, I, I will get, and she did. She gave him back to the Lord. Now, I know there's some moms in here that have wanted to give them back, but it's a little different in her case. She meant it in a way of him serving the Lord, and that's exactly what he did, and he was amazing. So today, we're going to pray the prayer of Hannah. We're going to cry out to God for you. And I know you think, well, gosh, does it, does it work? Yep, it does work. Every time we have a child family and child dedication, we hear stories. We always make an announcement like, hey, they stood on Mother's Day. They stood on Mother's Day. What that means is, in a minute, we're going to have a chance for you to stand up. And for you, if you are the couple or if you're the one that is praying for that, or you're representing somebody, you'll just stand up. And the church is going to join you in praying that God will hear your prayer. Now, we don't tell him what to do. We don't say, now, God, here's how you need to answer this. We need a blonde-headed boy. We need this boy by next. Now, you're welcome to ask him for that. But we believe God knows better than we know what we need. And so we trust him. And did you know that one of the most beautiful answers to that prayer comes in the way of adoption? All of a sudden, God opens doors, and it happens. And it's the most beautiful thing. God answers and today I want you to meet somebody. That's exactly what happened to them. In fact, Rebecca, Michael, stand up. Bo, you go ahead and stand up. And little Michael, he's just taking a little nap. That's perfectly fine. A lot of them do too, Michael. I just want you to know. So this family, it means the world to me. I, I've, I've known them from the time I got here. And what I want to tell you about, these guys got married in 2014. And immediately began to pray. Rebecca had Bo. He's 14 now, right? And they got married. They wanted to have a child. And so they began to pray. Eight years they prayed that God would open the womb, that he would bless them with a baby. And how many times do you stand on Mother's Day? Eight, Eight times. On a Mother's Day like this, they would stand and, and they would pray. They wanted to adopt, and so they started down that road and got everything in line and was on a waiting list because this particular agency was very busy and placed a lot of children. And so one day in just desperation, Rebecca called and said, Hey, I'm just wondering, where are we on the list and they said, you're 95th. Now, you can imagine what that did. Their heart just sank. And they just said, you know what? If the Lord wants it to happen, it's going to happen. And how much later was it when you got the call? Six weeks. Six weeks later, they get a call. and said, your son has been born. And we're going to bring him to you. And they brought Michael to them. And today they stand to remind all of us, even though it may take eight times, God answers prayer. And so it's a beautiful story. Thank you guys. Wow. Bless you. Bless you. And Bo, great to have you standing there with them, man. So I want you to remember them as we do this. And I know there were probably times when you were standing, it was like 
when is this going to happen? It happened. And now, it's a beautiful testimony. And I want you to know that they're here today just because I asked, could I tell their story? Because it might encourage one couple in this room to not give up and to keep standing. Thank you guys so much. So what I want you to do, in just a second, I want you to stand. And if you can, you can stand for somebody. And then once everyone is standing that's going to stand, then we're going to have some people, just those sitting around you, come and stand with you. Because we, we don't like people to stand alone. And we're not going to ask you any questions. It's not about that. It's just to be able to say we're standing with you and praying with you also. So right now, anyone in this room or representing anyone, we're asking God to grant you a child. I want you to stand up. Wherever you are, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All around this room. Now, if you're close to them, meaning proximity, just go stand with them. Let them know they're not alone, okay? Go stand with them before we pray. I think it'll probably be an encouragement to them all as well for all of us to stand. Let's stand up as we pray right now. Father, we know you are the giver of life. Even the word in our text this morning, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. You knew and formed our inward parts before anyone knew. You are the one who creates life. And so, God, we come to you, first of all, thanking you for every child represented in this room. Thank you for every mom. But especially, thank you for those who are standing. Lord, either for themselves or a friend or a family member. God, you heard Hannah's cry. Would you hear our cry today? And however you want to answer that, what a beautiful story of Rebecca and Michael. God, you answer any way you choose. We just pray you would grant life. And Lord, we'll forever tell the story and we'll give you the praise because we know every good gift comes from you. We'll always say, the Lord did this. And it's beautiful in our sight. Thank you, Lord. We cry out together in Jesus' name. And let the church say, amen. Thank you so much. Be seated. There are some incredible stories. Prayer matters. God works. So today, I don't know all the emotion in the room, but I know my Bible is right over there. Would, would one of y'all grab my Bible? On? <laughs> I don't know all the emotion in the room, but I know one of the common emotions I've heard. In fact, Rachel and I talk about it a lot when I ask her, what, what do you think most moms are feeling on Mother's Day? And the response, not only of Rachel, but of many, many, moms feel inadequate. Moms feel overwhelmed. I'm not doing a good job. Or it's, it's bigger than what I can do. So there's almost a sense of, of just feeling like you're not worthy 
of the honor. It's just amazing. I never would have guessed that. I never would have expected that. So I want to encourage you. I want to start there. Because there's a story in the Old Testament. That's, it's one of my favorites. Everybody loves a good story, right? I mean, it's just a great story. And it's about a woman who was a single mom. And yet she was living in a land and there was famine and, and she was dying. And her son, I mean, she was literally gathering sticks to build a fire to cook one more piece of bread. And all of a sudden a prophet shows up named Elijah. And Elijah said, hey, would you, uh, would you make me some bread? And you'll see what she told him. She told him, hey, this is our last meal. We're, this is it. And he said, well, go ahead and, and fix you some bread, but fix mine first, and then you fix you some. Now, when you first hear this, when I read this to you, you're going to feel like, what in the, that's the prophet? How insensitive. I mean, that's the most ridiculous thing you could say. I remember one time on Mother's Day, I was talking about, hey, moms, this is your day. Just enjoy it. Don't worry about those dishes. You can do them tomorrow. I probably shouldn't have added that part in there. That didn't help. But the prophet almost seems insensitive. But then he says, Obey and the Lord will take care of you. She said, Do you realize I only have a little flour? A handful? I only have a little oil? And the Lord did something miraculous. He took what she thought was so little and he blessed it and it never ran out. Moms, he is there for you. And you are enough with him by your side. No matter what situation you're in, you are enough. Yes, encourage the moms in this room in your applause. You will be enough because of him. So let's go to that text. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 17. Now let me tell you, the, the backdrop or kind of the context of this, Elijah the prophet has proclaimed that because of the sin of idolatry in the land, there was going to be a famine. There was going to be no rain for three and a half years. So the Lord told him to go to a brook, a creek, as I would call it, and the ravens would feed him and give him sustenance so he, that he would stay alive. And literally, Elijah went and the ravens fed him. Now, I'm not talking about Baltimore ravens. I'm talking about birds of the air. They're feeding him, okay? Then the creek dries up, the brook dries up, and the Lord sends him to a place that's not even in Israel. It's in what we would know as Lebanon today. And he says, there's a widow there. And you go, and she will prepare bread for you. So he shows up. And this is what happens. You got your Bible? We're in 1 Kings 17. I'm going to start reading in verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and he went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. 
And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, hey, while you're there, can you get me some bread? Bring me a morsel of bread. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, do not be afraid. I want you to hear God speaking to every mom right now. Moms, do not be afraid. And then... The this is what he says. At go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent. The jug of oil shall not be empty until the day the Lord sends the rains upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. What a cool story. You got nothing, and God blessed it, and you had enough. And so the whole point of this story it's just some simple lessons, and there's a lot of them, but I, I kind of reduced them to three. Number one, do the next thing God tells you to do, even if it doesn't make sense. Moms, do the next thing God tells you to do. What do I mean by that? Make it real simple. Let's not worry about next year, three years from now, ten years from now, just today. What's he want you to do today? And so as you consider what he wants you to do, it might be like you're going, I, I don't know how I can do that. But you really feel like the Lord is telling you to do it. It didn't make any sense. She hadn't got enough food. They're having their last supper, and now she's going to try to prepare food for the prophet. Nothing about that makes sense. Let me remind you, John Piper said it this way, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you might be aware of three of them. But what you can't see is everything else. And your circumstances today, Mom, that's not the whole story. That's not even close. Here's a woman that was desperate. Here's a woman that had nothing. Even Elijah was desperate. But those circumstances were about to give great glory to God. So when you consider the situation you're in today, some of you are single moms. You identify with this woman. Bible doesn't tell us why she was single. Maybe it's because you're a widow. So the obvious conclusion is her husband died. But you're in a situation that you never planned on being in. Maybe as a single mom. And so your thought is the same that I don't have enough. And if I only had this or if I only had that. Well, really, the question is, are you willing to obey with what you have. Amy Carmichael said it this way. All along, let us remember, we're not asked to understand, but simply obey. And the beautiful thing about it is that you can't know the rest of your story. 
you can't see what's coming. And she obviously didn't know the rest of the story. She just did what she was supposed to do in that moment, and then God did the rest. Be careful trying to make this moment and circumstance of your life your whole story. It's not your whole story. Emily Freeman said this, remember today's just a plot point. See it honestly for what it is, but don't confuse the moment for the whole story. Because God is doing other things. And he's got the rest of the story. You know why? Because he's the author of your story. And what's amazing is that this woman did what she was asked to do, though it didn't make any sense. And you know what God did with her story? He wrote it in the most amazing way. So let me take you to a synagogue in Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. Jesus is preaching that day. It's the first sermon he ever preached in his hometown. He gets up and he reads from the scroll of Isaiah. We know this from Luke chapter 4. He reads the scroll of Isaiah about how Isaiah said the one coming, the anointed one, will come. And it listed the things he would do. And Jesus basically closed the scroll and said, that would be talking about me. And then he tells this story. And guess who he talks about? This woman. It's been 900 years 900 years since the moment happened that we're reading out of 1 Kings. And yet 900 years later, Jesus tells her story. This is what Jesus said. And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel. And in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, meaning none of the widows in Israel, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. In other words, of all the Israelite widows, Jesus did mention. He picked this one who was really outside of Israel, who was really the most unlikely, the most unpredictable. There are moms today who feel like you're outside of the blessing and the favor of God. And surely God has done that for others. I like the story of Rebecca and Michael, but I know God would never do that for me. In other words, you've discounted your story and your life, and you've seen yourself as outside. Well, guess what? This shatters everything. Did you know not only did Jesus talk about her 900 years after she did it, we're talking about her today. It's been almost 3,000 years. So what she did made this incredible difference, and it's a story that kept going. So, moms, do the next thing God tells you to do, even though it doesn't make any sense to you. Second lesson, be faithful with the little Start with what you have, not with what you need. A lot of times, moms, you may be thinking, well, if we lived in a different house, if we lived in a different town, if we had uh, different friends, I mean, there's all this list of the things you don't have, but you thought you think you need, and if I had that, then I could do some of these things. No. You start 
with what you have. Then you say, but Pastor, you have no idea. What I have is so little. Can I show you what a handful of flour looks like and a little oil? The Hebrew way of saying it was a handful of flour. That was actual measurement. And it is literally flour that would fit in the palm of your hand. That's all she had. That's all the oil she had. And you're supposed to fix meal for the prophet? And you're supposed to feed your son? I know there are moms in this room that feel like, I don't know what to, I don't think I can do what my kids need me to do. Yes, you can. Or I don't have enough. Yes, you do. Stare at this. Get this in your mind. That's all she had. But then she had a God who was bigger than everything. And believe me, little is much in the hands of an almighty God. Just give what you have. This is it. And it's amazing how God takes it and he uses it. Remember, he had a stick. Remember Moses out in the wilderness before he led the children of Israel out. God said, pick up that stick. He does. And something happened to it. And he he said, man, this is powerful. But you, you know what it was before it was a stick? It was a snake. And he picked it up, and God said, pick it up by the tail. Well, picking it up by the tail leaves the business end open. I, that's not a really good, good thing to do. But he did it, and God said, I'm going to use that little stick, and I'm going to do wonders with it. Do you remember when David took a sling and a little stone, one stone? He had five, but he only needed one. And he killed a giant that had been plaguing Israel. Samson took a jawbone of a donkey. How many Philistines did he kill? A thousand. There are stories all in Scripture. How about the, the widow that came and put in two mites? Two small copper coins. And what did Jesus say? She's put in more than anyone. Little is much when it's in his hands. Jesus took five Loaves and two fish. And he fed 5,000. So, mom, start with what you have, not with what you need. And the last thing, you're never alone. Don't ever forget, you are never alone. This widow had to feel like she had nothing. And you can imagine, you moms in the room can identify with her, what would it feel like gathering sticks to go cook one last meal, and you and your son were going to eat that, and then you were going to die together. But she wasn't alone. Somebody showed up at the door. It wasn't Amazon with more bread. A prophet shows up at her door. But that prophet did things that only God could do. It wasn't that she just fed the prophet with this and it never ran out. It just continued to go. Something else happened to her. Some of you have already read past where we stop. I always do that whenever somebody's teaching or whatever and they stop in verse 16. I want to know what verse 17 says. Well, let me show you what verse 17 says. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, what have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. Let me just stop there. Uh, that's a really interesting phrase, to bring my sin to remembrance. What, 
What sin is she talking about? In the Old Testament and in that culture, they always connected illness with a sin. In other words, remember they brought the man born blind to Jesus, and they said, who sinned, this guy or his parents? Jesus said, neither. The point is, she thought because of something she'd done wrong, her son had died. Can I just pause for a moment? There's some moms in this room that are watching your children make bad choices. And it's killing you. And you're watching them slowly walk away from the faith. And I know what's going through your mind. What did we do wrong? What did I do wrong? You're watching a marriage story. I mean, all of these questions come when we're seeing something we didn't want or didn't plan on or didn't ask for. Let me tell you, one of the great joys that I had having a mom still living on Mother's Day, I would get to tell her, Mom, thank you for never giving up on me. Because I know there in that, in that season of my life when I walked away from the church, I walked away from God, I walked away from her and my dad, I was in total rebellion against anything good for me. I know my mom had to think, what are we doing wrong? And you know what I remember about those days? I don't remember a single thing she did wrong. I remember the one thing she did right. She kept praying for her son. And I am sitting here today, standing here today as a living testimony. Don't quit on your children, no matter what. And don't beat yourself up and say, it's something I did wrong. Not necessarily. But she thought it was. Now watch what happens. And he said to, to her, give me your son. And he took him from her arms and he carried him up into the upper chamber where he lodged and laid the son on his bed. And he cried to the Lord, oh Lord my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourned by killing her son? You want to know about being honest with God? There's a good example. Just go ahead and tell God what you think, because he knows it anyway, right? And Elijah felt that way. God, you're, ki you're killing her son, and she's the one that took care of me. And then this, he stretched him out, himself out upon the child. Three times, cried out to the Lord, oh, Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him again. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah, and the life came back into him. He revived him. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber. That would be a moment I'd love to have seen. When Elijah comes down, the mom's looking, and all of a sudden behind him, there comes her son, standing, walking, breathing. And this is what Elijah said. See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. And today, 2,900 years later, we are talking about this woman. She wasn't alone. God was with her in the form of the prophet, in the form of answering her prayers. Did you know that it might be significant that we're talking about this on Mother's Day and you're sitting in the middle of a church? 
Have you ever thought that maybe the Lord provided a church around you to help you? We have ministries happening here for women and for moms that are so helpful and they breathe life into you and they encourage you and they support you. In fact, after the service, they're out in the main lobby and I want you to go and just check it out. We believe that the church should be that person, those people that step into your life and to help you know you're not alone. How about families? A lot of us in here, a lot of you, your mom is here and your wife, who is the mother of your children, is here. And what about God using you to encourage her, to bless her? I just know God shows up in a lot of ways. Sometimes it looks like his fam our family. Sometimes it looks like a church. But sometimes it's just the Lord himself. I got I to gotta believe that what Paul David Tripp wrote is, is so true. He said this, when she went out to pick up sticks for the last meal, this widow had no idea of the incredible turn that her life was about to take. It would not be her last day because what was lurking over her wasn't the shadow of death, but the giver of life who would not only give her life, but through her preach life to all who believe. Mom, that giver of life is with you. And that giver of life is there always. You're not alone, though you feel like it. There's a young lady in our church that many of you know, and I'll tell you who it is in just a second. But she went through a season where she lost her father. And then a couple of family members, her close family members, went through incredible health crises. And she just found herself in a season of thinking, I can't take more. I, I can't deal with more. And she said the refuge for her, she found a refuge in her bathroom, laying face down on the bathroom floor. She said, you can't get any lower than that. And she would find herself in there crying out to God, just looking for hope and strength to deal with everything. And then she wrote about it. This was included in a book called Praying Moms that is available in Longs. But listen to what she wrote. What kind of God asked a widow for her last bit of bread? The one who rains down bread from heaven. The one who is the bread of life. The one who's able to keep a jar from ever reaching empty. Still sitting on my bathroom floor, I find the cure for my unbelief in the one who finds us in our hard and impossible places. He gathers us up. He prays for us. He asks us to trust one more time. And who is able to sustain us without bread if it need be. I remember that. Every time I have met him here in hope, in this lowest place, her bathroom, on the floor, he has never failed to answer my cry for help. That was written by Stacy Thacker. She is now the head of our women's ministry. An amazing testimony. Today, moms, do the next thing, even if it doesn't make sense. Offer him what you have, not what you need. Just say, Lord, multiply me. And then 
Never forget, he's with you, and he'll never leave you. We want to pray for you today. I want your families to pray for you. So as we bow, can we just lift up a prayer? Say, Lord, we want this story to live in the minds of moms and, and to, to run around in our head so we can understand what you're wanting to say to us. Lord, I thank you for every mom in this room, and I know you know the feelings. You know the emotions. You know the struggles every one of them have. And God, I thank you that no matter the circumstance, no matter what's happened in their life, you are enough. And you will never leave them. So Lord, today, I pray they will look to you, they will cry out to you, and they will give you what they have. Even though it may seem little, God, take them. Use them to glorify your name. Thank you, Lord, for this amazing story. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. For more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.